Our message today is uh, the hollow priest and the holy prophet. I stole that title from a colleague, a friend of mine named Jason McConnell up in rural Vermont. I called him. I said, that title's too good. I'm stealing it. And he said, go ahead. You don't have to give me credit. But I give him credit. Um, Nothing like a good clergy fight, right? (laughs) Do you ever, um, you know, Amos the prophet versus Amaziah the priest? Imagine if we did that, if we actually fought each other. You know, who would win in a fight between Fernando and Pastor Dan? You know, Pastor Dan's got the height and the reach. Fernando's got the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I, I don't know. I do that. You know, I think, you know. Anyway. <laughs> Pastor, that's so inappropriate. I know, but sometimes I think about these things. But this text, I, I love this text because the back and forth. It really is, uh, really is a little battle between these two. And we've talked a lot about Amos's words. We've been you know, preaching through the prophet Amos. But today we're going to think a little bit more about Amos as a person. You know, who was he? We're going to think about his calling, uh, his, sort of his obedience to God, his, his conflict that he has with this priest. Uh, and I want you to think about your life and your calling and where God has placed you. Do you and actually, when I use that word, do you consider the work that you do your calling? Whether you're... Uh, it's your job, or if you work at home, even if you're retired, do you consider that a calling from God? Or maybe you're a student, the fact that you go to school every day, is that, do you understand that as a calling from God? Because God has not necessarily called you to be a, a pastor or a priest, but in, in a sense, you know, we, we understand that God intended his people to be a A kingdom of priests, he describes in scripture, or a royal priesthood, that we all have a duty to minister in the name of God everywhere we go, such that so that your work becomes a calling from God to to be a minister where you are, to to be, in in essence, a priest for God. And, uh, you know, you may not consider yourself a prophet, but in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, when Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to his people, to the church, it, it, it was described as a fulfillment of the prophet Joel who said, look, your, your uh, sons and daughters will prophesy. The old and young, everybody's going to have sort of a prophetic role because the Holy Spirit will fill you. And therefore, it, some people, we do believe that some people have a, a special gift, a sort of prophetic voice and a prophetic gift from God. But in essence, everybody with God's spirit is like a prophet. We can speak God's word into the context in which God has put us. And that's a, that's a very high calling. So regardless of your, uh, your work or how you spend your time, in essence, we're all priests, we're all prophets. And we can think about our lives in that sense. So uh, last week we talked about, uh, one of the takeaways from last week was to read through Romans chapter 12. And I know a lot of you were reading through that and praying through that and really seeking to live out those words, but in that passage, it talks about God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. So everywhere we go, we can live into God's will. We can live into God's way. And the problem is that we don't always live life God's way, seeking to please him, seeking to know him, to fulfill this calling. Uh, Sometimes we live by our own standards. We seek to please people instead of God, and we define our lives by the world's standard of success, not God's 
standard of success. We see ourselves as other people view us, not as God, how God views us. And so because of that, we need to reground and reconsider our lives in light of God's good purposes. So we want to uh, do that. And we're going to look at this fight and uh, think of a couple, couple lessons for us out of this. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would, in this time, help us to understand how you have called us, how you have called us to be your children as we put our faith in you, how you've called us to good works and good things to do as we trust you. And there's, there is goodness in that, and there's pleasure in that. Um, and we pray that we would, just in deeper and more meaningful ways, know it and, and live it. And so, Father, as we gaze into your word, we just pray you open our hearts to understand. We give you this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's meet our two contenders here. We start with the hollow priest, Amaziah. Uh, he's, if he's a priest, he's pro- that's one of these jobs that it runs through your family. You're from a priestly family, and that's your calling. He, the, but he's a priest at a temple in Israel, in the northern kingdom. So what that means is it's not, it's not the right temple. It's not the right place. They, did, they made up their own way to worship. It wasn't the way that God had commanded his people to worship. So they were very religious. They had sacrifices and rituals, and they would do all these things, but it was disconnected from God's plan. Whenever we go away from God's plan and do things our own way, this is not good. And so we have this priest in this temple. They're doing their own thing. He works for the king. This is the king's temple. This is, uh, this is a state job. And so it's probably a pretty good job for Amaziah. Probably decent pay, good accommodations. He probably had some power and influence around him. So it's a, it's a good job. And when you have a good job like that, you want to keep it. And you keep it, if you work for the king, by keeping the king happy. You, you maintain the status quo. You don't bring any harsh messages against the king. You just kind of keep things the way it is. You, you just kind of placate the king. So he's, you know, so he's a good priest, but he's hollow. There's, no, there's nothing of substance there because he's just a people pleaser. And for any one of us, Whatever we go about our day doing, we can seek to please the people around us, or we can seek to please God. People-pleasing is a great temptation. It feels good to, to be thought well of. There's nothing wrong with that, but when our heart and our goal is to please people, we become very disconnected because what God calls us to do may not be people-pleasing. And it's, a, it's an endless cycle. Uh, you know, have I done enough? Do people approve of me or value me enough? And God is sitting there saying, I value you fully. Jesus Christ died for you. You are my child. I have good things for you. And yet we get our eyes off God and we just want to know what other people around us think. Amaziah, the hollow priest. Fighting out of the other corner, we have Amos, the holy prophet. And again, we... We've been focusing on his message, but here Amos, the, the person. And the Bible is God's word. We believe God wrote the Bible, but he wrote it through responsible, faithful human agents. Such that as we understand the lives of these people who wrote the scriptures, we understand them deeper. 
So we understand God, his word, but we also understand uh, through these different voices and through these different styles of writing, different people's experiences. And so Amos in this text in verse 14, he says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of sycamore fig trees. Amos was not somebody from a prominent family he, or a prominent place. He was from Tekoa, which is kind of a, a nowhere of a place. There was, it wasn't completely isolated. There was a military base in Tekoa. So Amos would have understood um, just the political and military uh, actions of the day. He was a shepherd, pretty common job. He wasn't, the, one of the words in Amos used to describe him as a shepherd is sort of a higher class shepherd. He was a shepherd manager. You know, so it wasn't like he was completely uneducated. But for the most part, pretty humble work managing uh, shepherds and taking care of trees. Not, uh, not any kind of status in his family. But God calls Amos out of that rural obscurity. And he calls him to bring a message. Verse 15 says, The Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. God says, Amos, I've got a calling on your life. And I'm asking you to stop the work you're doing, and you're going to go and be my messenger. And that seems like a great upgrade from taking care of trees to being God's prophet, God's messenger. But what was the message that he gave him? This is a very unpopular message. You're going to go to these people and tell them that there's injustice in their law courts and that there's economic disparities and uh, corrupt politicians and there's sinful nationalistic pride. Uh, and on their best day, tell them on their best day, they just ignore the plight of the needy and, and, the, and the hopeless. And on their worst day, they're actually exploiting people in need and, and pushing them down. That's your message. So that's a tough message to bring. But he was a faithful, holy prophet to bring God's word. And now here we have this confrontation. Verse 10. Amaziah the priest, priest of Bethel, he sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. So, Amos's message gets all the way to the king, which is pretty cool. So you've got this shepherd who's uh, taking care of trees and sheep, and, and now he's bringing this message, and it gets all the way to the king. Because it's not like Amos could just walk into the palace and start you know, prophesying to the king. But through this priest and through his constant message, it does actually get to the king. But the message gets a little bit distorted. This isn't exactly what Amos had been saying. Amos was not seeking to start a conspiracy against the king. Amos said, this is what God is doing. This is God's judgment. It wasn't Amos trying to get some coalition against the king. And, and actually, um, Amaziah doesn't even mention God in this at all. He just said, this is what Amos is saying. And so he tells Amos to get lost. I mean, this is an utter rejection of God's prophet. It's an utter rejection of God's word at this point. So uh, verse 12. Amaziah says to Amos, get out of here, you seer. It's kind of an insult. I'll get to that. Get out of here, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. 
So he says, get out of here, you seer. A seer. He doesn't use the word prophet. He uses this word seer, which is similar. But a seer was sort of like a fortune teller and somebody who you would pay to tell you your fortune. And he said, hey, you're just here to make money. Go back home. Do that kind of work there, you seer. Because this is the king's sanctuary. This is the king's temple. You know, this is the state temple. This is, um, you know, this is the authority is with the king. And Amos, <laughs> you, think, you think you work for the king? He doesn't back down. He's not bullied. Verse 16, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel. Stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. And then he, he just goes on and just absolutely blasts him with this really harsh word against this priest and his family, and, but does not back down. It's a thing of beauty. Um, lessons for us. Two lessons. One, the first lesson is about speaking hard truth. That God has called us all as his people to be truth tellers. Not just not lying, which is part of it. So, you know, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. Okay. But we're also called to speak true words. We're supposed to speak truth in love. And sometimes that can be hard. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. There's times when we are to, we need to point out when things are wrong and when things are off. Um, but we're always careful when we do that. Again, Jesus said, make sure you get that log out of your own eye before you try to take a little speck out of someone else's eye. You know, that we're not to just haphazardly go around pointing out people's faults, but God has called us to speak truth in love. And the goal is always restoration. Remember Amos' message was seek God and live. You can turn and you can seek God and you can know life as you do that. Because God is a God of grace. That God doesn't just immediately reject us. That God is patient and he gives us opportunities to turn back to him. So in love, we can, we can call each other to that. To say, hey, you're on a bad path. Don't go down this road. You can turn from it. And we, we can lovingly speak that. Sometimes when God calls us to speak truth, we, we're called to speak truth to power. To those who have authority over us or, or have authority in general. We think of famous examples like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, MLK, Nelson Mandela. But God has called all of us to speak truth. And sometimes, in a very kind of non-famous way, you have to do that. I had a conversation um, with a friend who uh, her, her boss had asked her to do something that she felt was just unethical. And it came to a point where she had to speak truth, to say, this is wrong, I won't do this. And basically had to make a choice between doing what was, uh, doing, what was doing wrong or losing her job. And she actually chose to, to walk away from that job, which was a very difficult decision. But sometimes we just need to speak truth and do what's right. And it's not always popular. Um, Amos went and spoke the truth. They rejected him. They rejected the message. Um, they couldn't handle the truth. Um, 
yeah, it's not always fun. And quite honestly, it can be downright depressing. We think of messengers like Jeremiah or Elijah who are just basically depressed because of uh, the rejection of their messages. People with that prophetic voice and that, uh, uh, you know, who are especially gifted to, to speak truth. Often, it just, it just becomes very unpopular. Jesus himself, he had to confront the sins of his day. And he was largely rejected by those he came to save. So it may not make you popular, but there is a goodness in speaking truth. And that's our first lesson. Second lesson is about standing firm against opposition, against accusation. Amaziah, he brings this you know, accusation against the prophet Amos. But Amos, the way that he stands firm is that he leans into his calling. He leans into the fact that God sent him there. He said, nope, I was, I was just a shepherd. I was taking care of these sycamore trees. But God called me to be his messenger. And he remembers who he is in God and what God has called him to do. And he stands firm and he doesn't back down. Jesus promised his followers that we will have, that the world will hate us. I mean, in the Old Testament, um, you just think of messengers of God who are rejected, like Moses, uh, David, in, in certain ways. Um, in the New Testament, Stephen, or the Apostle Paul. It's just, God's word says, 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is what Amos is living out. We see all throughout Scripture, and Jesus promised it to us. When we live out God's way in our everyday lives, there will you will face trouble. And sometimes that's um, specifically because of your faith, and other times it's just broken people who, for whatever reason, are out to get you. They'll speak ill of you or, or twist your words. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus told his followers, you're just like Amos. You're just like the prophets. This is what's going to happen. We think that if we live God's way, we're just going to be at peace with everybody. And it's just going to be great. But that's not always the case. And when we face that kind of a situation, we need to remember there are greater rewards than people liking me. There are, there, there's eternal rewards, the peace of God, the presence of God with us, eternal life with God. And here Amos remembers his, his standing with God, and he stands firm against this opposition, and he doesn't run away. And we love to run away from conflict. You just... just um, you could ghost someone. You could leave your church, find another church. Just do whatever the conflict is, you just get away from it. But he really leans into his calling here. And so today you might be sitting here and you're in one of those situations where somebody's, um, somebody is accusing you, whether it's a coworker or a family member that you're in conflict with or somebody's telling lies about you. And just know that God is with you in that. And to lean into your calling, that you are his child, you are forgiven and free. And remember Jesus, who was faithful to his calling, all the way to the cross. 
to die for our sins and to rise again to new life. And, and that same power that rose Jesus from the dead, his, his very spirit, he gives to us so that we can stand firm against accusation. God has a calling on your life, and he has a word for you to speak, and he has good uh, ministry for you to do in your everyday. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for how you've called us, Lord. But we know that our calling isn't necessarily easy or smooth. In fact, you've promised us that we'll face these things. But I pray, Lord, that we would stand firm, not in our own power, but in your power, remembering who we are in you, seeking to please you alone, our great King and loving Father. Father, forgive us for when we've sought to um, make a name for ourselves, where we've sought the, uh, the pleasure of others and, and not sought yours, Lord. Pray that you'd heal and restore and strengthen us in every way. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.